This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and this is the merry month of May. And during this month, we are taking time, setting out, carving time, planning intentionally to talk to moms, moms who do the most. You know, I could do a mom show for five months in a row and never cover all the things that through the years I have come to love and understand and passages of scriptures about moms and mothers and the hard work. You know, I, I say to a woman who's saying, I'm, I'm leaving my full-time career and I'm going home to be a stay-at-home mother. What do you think? And I think, what do I think? I always say the same thing to her. This will be the hardest work you have ever done. And they look at me kind of like I'm, yeah, that can't be possible because you don't know the career life I've had. And then, you know, it doesn't take more than six months. And I wish you were all in an audience I could see your hands go up. How many of you would agree with me that mothering is the hardest work you have ever done? It's very hard work, but it's so providential and it's so important. So we've been talking about mothering and I have made the offer um, for those of you who have not formally subscribed to Modern Homemakers. There's no cost to subscribe. There are no requirements. We do not send an email a day, I promise you. I will never do that. We do occasionally send something out. But if you will subscribe and help our metrics, we will send you a copy of Loving Life as an At-Home Mom. You'll have to send us your hard address so we know where to mail it. So we've been talking about motherhood, and the last time we were together, we talked about the difference between a servant and a slave. And if you haven't heard that lesson, besides the ministry of motherhood, I think the servant-slave concept is by far the most important of how we fall prey from being what God has called us to be, which is a servant, a servant to others, to our family, to our children, and becoming their slave. I know some of you have noticed that you've become your child's slave or are noticing it, and I hope that description I give will encourage you. So today I want to talk to you about learning to love your children. And this falls in the category of the same thing about learning to love your husband. In the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 3, 4, and 5, we see a very interesting phenomenon, and that is that Titus, who has gone to the Isle of Crete to pastor a church, and he gets there, and he discovers this amazing phenomenon, and that is that women who are of a certain age, past the childbearing years, past the first years of being married, past the first years of establishing a home, are now engaged in hanging out every day, sipping too much wine and gossiping. And young Timothy does not know what to, to do. Titus does not know what to do. And so he writes, dear brother Paul, and he says, what shall we do? And Paul writes back and gives him this great admonition 
that we are to train up the older women, to train up the younger women, to love the Lord, to love their spouses, to love their children, and to be good homemakers. These are the four things that Modern Homemakers has hinged their entire work on for the last 30 plus years. That's what we talk about who you are as a wife, woman, mother, and homemaker. And so what he's saying to them is train them to teach the young women. And I remember the first encounter I had with that passage, and I thought, if a young bride were walking down the aisle in her wedding finery toward her husband-to-be, and I stopped the ceremony and lifted up her veil so she could hear the whisper in her ear, and I'd say, let's stop right here, and I'll give you a little lesson on how to love your husband. Every bride would fall down laughing, because in those moments, we love our husbands, we know everything about them, that we, and all that's left is the intimacy of physicality. Otherwise, and then it doesn't take long, sometimes six months, sometimes a year, and a young woman says, Help, help. So the same is true when Paul talks about learning to love your children. When you bring home that bundle of joy you've waited for a long time or nine months only, and you're so thrilled with this child, for me to pause and say, let me teach you how you're going to love that child. Of all the things in the world you may need help on, you know, from nursing to... To anything, training. But let me say, love is not something you think you're short of. And I want to talk to you today about this fact that I think learning to love your children, understanding the biblical principles behind it. So I want to look at a few passages of scripture. The first one is found in 1 John, that's toward the end of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation, okay? 1st John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. And 21. Behold, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. And then the 21st verse of the same chapter. The commandment we have from him is that those who love God must love their brothers and their sisters also. And then I move back to the Proverbs book full of practical, full of practical information. If you're looking for practical information, child rearing, marriage, life, read the Proverbs. Read the Proverbs. They are practical forms of doing life better. Psalm 27, verse 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Are you thinking the same thing I thought when I first read that? How could you have hidden love? Well, it's pretty easy if we have not learned how to demonstrate our love. If we have not understood the difference between how we operate, how we think, how we handle life. There's a wonderful tool that's become very popular, of which I'm very... um, in agreement with it's done properly. It's called the Enneagram. And it's based out of a passage 
um, in Matthew. Matthew, well, it's actually in several places in the New Testament, but in Matthew chapter 22, and you've heard me say this if you've listened to us very long at all, chapter 22, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, Jesus. He says, teacher, which of the commandments of the law is the greatest? You know how they've been trying to trick Jesus. And Jesus says to the lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all your soul. You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now remember reading that and thinking, the message here isn't about heart and soul and mind. It's that every one of those is preceded by, you shall love the Lord your God with all, not just a part. And for all of us, instinctively, we love everything that we decide to love or give our love to better with our mind, with our heart, and with our guts. And this tool helps us regulate that and helps us have transformation because when I'm saying to you, learn to love your child, I'm not saying instinctively if you think all the thoughts you can possibly think and read all the books and you process every piece of information that's going on with your child and you approach it in a edu educational or academic approach, that's not loving the Lord your God with all your heart. Oh, you're all heart. Those of you who are all heart, oh, you have an easier time to be made a slave than the rest of us because they wrap your heart around their finger and pretty soon you're not a servant anymore, you're a slave. And the same with our instincts. We have good instincts and we know, we think we know what we're going to do. The last passage about learning to love your children is found in Mark chapter 1, verses 40, 41, and 42. A leper came to Jesus, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. <clears throat> Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was made clean. What's that got to do with love, Donna? Well, he says he chooses, and he's moved with pity. There is something about the role and relationship between a mother and her children that must have that love slash balance of pity that we see who these little people are and how we can encourage them to make choices and develop good character. I've talked for many, many years about the importance of being a woman who is, says yes and means yes, and a woman who says no and means no. One of the great gifts that you can give to your children is teaching them that's how you live, that your yes is yes, and you will do it. 
one of the most difficult words for children to comprehend is maybe. And I remember the first time I came face to face with that maybe, and I, I can still feel it inside of me. I said maybe, and then immediately afterwards in my interior thought, I thought, you don't mean maybe, you mean no, you just too chicken to say no. And I was shocked by the whole thing. It was too late to undo it in that moment. But I came to recognize it, and I know you will too. Most often we say maybe because our kids are bugging us, and we become fearful. And that's that slave-servant position. We become fearful about their response if we say no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. You don't have to say maybe ever. A woman who knows what she's about and what she's going to do, maybe is not a part of her vocabulary. And when you say maybe, the Old Testament tells us that the word maybe really is hope deferred. And hope deferred makes your heart sad. So if your little one's counting on you doing something and you said you're going to do it, it's very important in the demonstration of loving your children, but in the demonstration of good character to do it. So these passages that I've just read to you, and there'll be several more, um, 1 Corinthians 13, Philippians 4, 8, Isaiah 66, 12, and then two more in Proverbs, Proverbs 21, 19, and Proverbs 15 and 15. So I think this business about loving is really about understanding who we are. Uh, the following I'm going to read to you is a list of love forms to give your children found in the Holy Word. Love is not a choice because it's right, not because it feels good. I think so often we, we think we choose to love. Okay, this one I choose. and No, love is because it is right, not because it makes me feel good. Give a verbal love. We all need regular verbal assurance, but children are in need of those verbal assurances more. And again, if you live in your head and books and academia and smart and do it the right way and the 10 rules to being a great parent, it's often hard to be oozy-goozy lovey. But little children need not only touch, physical touch, we'll talk about that in a minute, but they need verbal assurance that they are loved and that you are there and that you will be there. And they need this assurance to be given to them regularly. And then they need physical love, physical love. Research has proven humans need for touch. Babies especially need to be held and cuddled. I don't know about you, but I'm not a baby. Uh, I'm on the other, other end of life, but I love to be held and cuddled. And small babies, infants really need it. But our children need to know that they are loved by our physical touch. And some of that physical touch changes as they get older. We're going to talk about getting ready for teenage years. But one of the things with regard to 
boys, raising boys. You know, they get to the place where, oh, mom, oh, shucks, oh, no, I no, no, you can't kiss me in the parking lot as you're dropping me at school. No, mom, no, and that sort of stuff. But there are lots of ways to touch. There are five million touching sensors in our hands, our hands alone, and using your hands. And for a young boy, an adolescent boy, a teenage boy, a man boy, from their elbow to their shoulder, you can touch any part of that arm with a pat and a pat, or even a holding onto, and they're not threatened like you're cuddling them, but you're still getting your five million sensors into their body. You can pat them on the back. You can come alongside them and put their your arm around their shoulders. Um, Young men will receive that kind of touching, but uh, we all need to be touched. You can love through encouragement. And could I tell you that that word encouragement's root word is courage? So put courage into it. Let these people, these little people know that you are their fan and their cheerleader and you're here to stay. Love by comforting. In times of pain or sadness, often comfort is a form of love. I think that's what Jesus is saying to the leper. Yes, I choose. He says, you can choose and I will be clean. And Jesus took pity, comfort, and he healed him. It was a form of love. And then there's always loving in laughter. Laughing sets the mood and the tone. And when you are merry and happy um, and you are often bringing merriment into a situation, the method of your love is seen much more clearly. Well, I hope that we've talked enough about this broadly that I could encourage you to um, answer some questions for yourself. Have you ever felt like you did not love your children? Now, Moms, if you've ever felt that, I want you to know it's okay. We all have. And if you've ever felt like, will they ever go away? Will they ever grow up and go away? That, that's okay. Now, if it's regular or frequent or intense, perhaps it's something you could consult a professional about. In the items that I just listed and the ways of physical, verbal, encouragement, comforter, and laugh, laughter, is one of these do you have a struggle with more than the other? Maybe if it's you're having a hard time being married because you're so serious about getting everything done and getting everything done timely. That is That was my worst fault. That's the one I probably always mentioned first. I had many of them, but that was the worst one. Well, come on now. It's We have to get breakfast. We have to get the breakfast on time because we have to get the table cleaned up because we have to get to school. You have to be on time. We have to... And, and, and there was there was not the need for that as much as there was getting together and being together. And um, it, it wasn't a struggle for me, but I found myself getting caught up with what needed to be done instead of kicking back. Um, do you ever expect or desire your children to show you some sort of love or honor that they're not capable of yet in the way of your own personal needs? Our children are not given to us to meet the personal needs of being loved. It's wonderful if they love you. It's wonderful if they grow up to love you. But you didn't say, hey, Jesus, could we have this kid so this kid could grow up and love me and meet my needs? I'm always struck with that. 
to a, to a, just an emotive way. Um, I had such longings because of my own history and and early childhood training and childhood rearing per- period. I think there were times when I looked to my daughter to expect her to love me to make up for that. It wasn't regular. It wasn't something I had an expectation, but I remember feeling those feelings. So if that's something that you're struggling with, again, I encourage you, if any one of these questions give you pause for cause, talk to somebody about it. Talk to somebody about it. Have you ever made time just to learn how to love? Have you ever paused and looked through the scripture? Have you ever read attributes of love? A great book by Ross Campbell, How to Really Love Your Children, um, is a great, great way. And the last thing I might suggest as we end our time together is sit down with your husband. If you are a married woman, if you are a single woman, you might have a close friend, a sister, a, a grandmother. Sit down with that person and talk about ways to love our children, especially as parents. What do you see, honey? How do you see I could do better loving? How do you see it, honey? Uh, What are some ideas that we could do as a couple? Um, Our daughter loved being by the water, by the beach. Uh, From when she was very, very little, the water was always... Now, my husband used to say that's because I love the water. Maybe that's true. And I was always happier if we were on a holiday where there was water. But that became a, a tool that we recognized was our way of showing her love. Learning to love your children. It's not automatic. That feeling that rises up inside of you um, that says, oh, I love my infant child, that will change and it will grow into mature love. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. And I'm asking you to learn to love your children so they are precious in your sight. This is Donna Otto. We are Modern Homemakers. And I pray that you will remember the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of demonstrating love for your children.